Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. We're going to continue our Heroes and Villains message series and kind of take a little bit of a twist on it today, a little bit, but, um, you know, this, this is a message series about the people in the Bible, and we've said all along, we've done this series for years, but every time we do, we remind ourselves that it is not just stories, that the story of the Bible is the story of us as people, that um, it is God revealing himself to a people who constantly are in need of him and forget him. And every time we see a story uh, of someone, we can see ourselves in that story in some capacity, and then we see how God reacts to it, or we see how we relate to God through it, and then that can be an application to us. And so our question always is, what might God say to us through 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 this story? And so we started a couple weeks ago with the story of Mary, Um, and the story of Mary was really about trusting God's perspective rather than our preferences or, um, or our circumstances. Um, and then last week we talked about Balaam, you know, who was considered to be one of the greatest villains of the Bible that you probably have never even heard of. And Balaam's story was really a warning for us to stay the course when it's easier to detour, um, whether that be cultural or even biblically, you know, theologies and things like that. It's, it's, it is a warning against false teaching, against false prophets, um, warning to stay the course when it's easier to detour. Well, today we're going to be talking about probably a much more familiar individual, but with a twist. Uh, how many of you have heard of Daniel? <laughs> I mean, almost everybody, you know, probably everyone's heard of Daniel, at least in our popular culture, Daniel in the lion's den. And, um, the story of Daniel is, uh, is really one about faith. You know, the story of Daniel, the book of, the, of Daniel as a whole, there's a lot of end time prophecy kind of built into it, but it's, uh, at its core, one of the main themes is about faith. Um, but today we're going to talk a little bit more than about faith, but really applying that faith, um, in a, in a different way in light of, in light of what's going on in our world today and what's happening right now, I believe there's prescription for us. Um, and, and, and we'll see from Daniel's story, but before we do, I want to give you a little bit of context about Daniel and what he was doing and who he was. Daniel was a Jewish uh, man who was taken into captivity, um, into, to Babylon after the fall of Judah. Um, where Nebuchadnezzar the king um, came and conquered Israel for their for their um, just falling away. I mean, we've we've learned about this before. The story of Kings and Chronicles in the Bible is a story of the unfaithfulness of the Jewish people, and God says enough and takes them into captivity by a foreign power. And so, um, so Judah is taken in captivity. And so Nebuchadnezzar tells. Uh, his his um, his governors to take the royal families and nobility and to bring them with them. They wanted to bring the best and brightest of the Jewish people back to captivity to Babylon, and Daniel was one of them, and some of his friends were as well. So Daniel apparently was a person of noble birth. We don't really know a lot about him. Um, he I don't think he was royalty, but he was probably of some kind of uh, some kind of nobility. And so he's taken into captivity and brought back to the capital of uh, to Babylon. And what happened was that these guys who were considered smart and good looking, they were put through a three-year regimented training program where they were essentially taught the language of the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, and they were taught literature and they were taught all of that. And then they were put into the service of the king. 
It's kind of like a brainwashing, right? So they were taken from where they were and they were trained in the ways of the new kingdom that where they were at and taught their history and their structure and the culture and the language and then put in service of the king. And that's what would oftentimes happen for, um, for empires to be built. They would capture people, bring them back, teach them, train them, raise them up, and then oftentimes send them back to rule uh, back in their homelands. But would now with the, um, with the training and the sort of that brainwashing of, of, the, of the culture. So we see Daniel, um, while he is a, still a young man, in, in Babylon. And the story tells us about um, what it's like to live there. But what we see from the story of Daniel particularly is that Daniel never forgets who he is or where he came from. He always honors God, never forgets where he came from and how he's called to live. And through it, God blesses Daniel um, over and over again and protects him and actually gives him favor. So the story, one of the main themes of the story of Daniel is in the face of, of difficulty, in the face of cultural pressure, in the face of oppression, in the face of uh, religious um, uh, structures put upon him, he never forgets who he is and stands up in faith and God protects him through it and gives him favor. In fact, he actually lives through four kings, in that we see in the book of Daniel. He lives through Nebuchadnezzar, through Belshazzar, through Darius, and through Cyrus. Four separate kings he lives through that we see in the story of Daniel. And one of the main themes of the book that I mentioned is the story is about faith, trusting God no matter what. But what I want to do today is I want to view that faith from a different lens in light of what's happening around our country right now. If you think about some of the things that are happening, there's systemic racism, there's police brutality. There's unjust death. There's incredible division in our nation. There's, there's dict dictatorial and draconian sort of um, pressures from our government. And so I want to look at the story of faith today, but I want to look at it from a prescriptive perspective of opposing oppression through faith. I think that we can look at the story of Daniel, various stories, we're going to focus on one today, and really see that we can oppose faith, oppose oppression through faith. And I think we're going to find not only a prescription, but a responsibility, a responsibility and a prescription for action behind Daniel's faith-filled responses. And then I want to just take a little bit of time to process some of what's happening today. In the story of Daniel, Daniel twice faces oppressive systems or decrees or structures, and he opposes them through faith. And in fact, he has friends who you've also probably heard of before. We did this in our uh, Heroes and Villains series a couple years ago, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They also face an oppressive system and they rise up in faith. And all of these times, God honors their faith and protects them. And so we can see that clearly what God is saying to his people, anyone reading the story, just like last week with Balaam, it's a prescription, it's a warning. In this case, we see that when someone rises against something that is wrong and stands in faith that God promises to protect, that God promises to lift that person up as an example. Right. And so we see three different occasions. The first time we see Daniel, we see him in this training session. Right. This three year training period where Daniel is told to eat food from the king. 
the, there's all sorts of meats and things. But the Jewish people have a very specific law that they are not allowed to eat certain foods that are considered unclean. And so at the risk of, Dan, of Daniel being, being thrown in prison or possibly killed because he would not do it, he says, no, I will not eat this food that I am not allowed to eat. Now, he's a captive person who's been taken away from his land and his own religion is probably either been outlawed or is not considered to be what he wants, and especially what the king wants, and especially since he's in the training program of the, of the Babylonians. And he tells his man, this person who's in charge of him, I won't eat these things. And he, God gives him favor with him, but even that king, even that, even that governor who's in charge of the training program tells Daniel, if my king finds out about this, I could be put to death. And Daniel says, I promise you, I'm just not going to do it. And I stand in faith. And so that's where the Daniel fast comes from is he eats all of this only like vegetables and fruits and those and nuts and those kinds of things. And he actually ends up healthier than the others. Right? So the idea here is, is you see him standing against this cultural shift over. Right? And he says, I believe that God's decrees are stronger or are more important to follow than man's decrees or a king's decrees. And then we see the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, right? Where Nebuchadnezzar creates this huge statue of himself and declares that anyone, that every person must bow down in front of it, right? Or be put to death. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, again, they say, I will not bow down to any other gods, whether it's a man or a false god or a statue. At the, and the law said that they would be killed, but they said, my, my religion keeps me from doing it. I will not, I will not succumb to to a system or a structure or a religious mandate that's going to force me to do something that I know is wrong. And so they refuse to do it and they're thrown, they're given the death penalty. They're thrown into this furnace, right? And what happens, we know the story again, God protects them and they are brought out of it safely. And then again, we see the story with Daniel, where Daniel is told that he's not allowed to pray and prayer is outlawed to anyone other than the king. And then Daniel is thrown into the lion's den. And that's the story that I want to focus on today. Daniel has lived a life honoring God despite the cultural pressures. And God has blessed him and given him favor with the king, with all of the kings, all four of them. He has been risen to high levels within the government. We've seen that happen in the story of Joseph in Genesis, right? There's a theme over and over again throughout scripture. If you put God first, if you trust God in matters of faith, if you trust God, even when things look like they're all hope is lost, God will take care of you. We see that over and over and over again. But what happens in this story is that, so, so, so Daniel rises to the level of leadership and he's had given favor but not everyone likes Daniel because they don't like that he's an outsider. They don't like that he's gotten all the favor from, from the king. And so there's a group of people who see Daniel not doing the things that he's supposed to do, that they're all required to do. And so they plot to kill Daniel. They plot to kill him and get him out of the way. And so we're going to pick up the story now in Daniel chapter 6. If you guys have your Bibles, open them up to Daniel chapter 6. So we're going to begin reading in verse 6. And there's a chunk of scripture. And then we're going to talk about what we can learn from Daniel. And then I want to talk about how we can apply what we see from Daniel's story about opposing oppression through faith. Daniel 6 verse 6 says this. So the administrators and the satraps went together to the king and said to him, May King Darius live forever. All the administrators of the kingdom, the prefects, the satraps, the advisors, the governors, 
have agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and an edict and enforce an edict that for 30 days that anybody who petitions any god prays or man except you the king will be thrown into the lion's den in other words hey we know that daniel um, prays to his God regularly. We know that Daniel is the one who petitions God above all. We know that he does, and we want him out of the way. So we're going to make the king, have the king put in a law that anyone who doesn't do this, who, who does that, who prays to anyone other than the king will be killed. We see this in Esther's story, right? We see this um, all throughout, all throughout scripture. Therefore, your majesty, establish the edict and sign the document so that as the law of the Medes and the Persians, it is irrevocable and it cannot be changed. So King Darius signed the written edict because what did they do? They appealed to his pride. Yes, remember, we've heard this before, that kings I thought they were divine. Kings at this time believed they were divine. So yes, of course, why should anyone worship anyone other than me? Right? So, so they come to him and they stroke his ego. May you live forever. Let's do this. Let's post, a, let's post an edict that, that anyone who, who, seeks you, who seeks anyone's advice other than you should be put to death. So King Darius signed the written edict. Verse 10. So when Daniel learned that the document had been signed, what did he do? He went into his house. And the windows of his house in the upstairs room opened towards Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees. He prayed and gave thanks to his God, just as he had done before. All right. So the first part says when he learned that the document had been signed. And then the end of that line says that he prayed just as he had done before. Nothing changed. The law changed, the system changed, the structures changed, but Daniel knew what was right and did it anyway. So then, verse 11, these men went as a group and found Daniel petitioning and imploring his God, which goes against the new law that was signed into effect. And so they approached the king and asked about the edict. Hey, king, didn't you just sign an edict that for 30 days any person who petitions any God or man except you will be thrown into the lion's den. Like, like, didn't you just sign that? The king answered, well, as the law of the Medes and the Persians, the order stands and is irrevocable, right? They put these lines in here to make sure that you understand like clearly what's going on here, right? Then they replied to the king, verse 13, Daniel, one of the Judean exiles, has ignored you, the king, and the edict that you signed, for he prays three times a day. And it's like, and here's video evidence, you know? As soon as the king heard this, he was very displeased, and he set his mind on rescuing Daniel. Again, God has given him favor with, their, with, with the king and made every effort until sundown to deliver him. But then the men went together to the king and said, hey, you know, your majesty, you remember that the law that you signed establishes by the king cannot be changed. And so the king, in much displeasure, now that he signed this law, gave the order, and they brought Daniel, and they threw him into the lion's den. So what we see here is that this law was put into effect. Now, granted, the, the reason was, you know, really to get Daniel out of the way, but it doesn't really matter. This example is still an example of others that we see throughout, throughout Daniel's story of laws being put into place that says you can't do this or you shouldn't do that or putting something into effect that is wrong, something that isn't right, an oppressive system that's designed to hold them down. They were brought into, into Babylon and brainwashed and, and, and told that they, were, that they were to be in, ultimately in um, uh, second citizens to the Babylonians. There were laws put into effect that were to, to change the way that they thought or to, to change their religion, the way that they were to behave. 
And three separate times you see in scripture, in, in the story of Daniel, that because of their faith, they said no to those things. They said no to them at much risk of themselves. Daniel knew. Daniel knew that the law had been changed and that anyone would be thrown into the lion's den, like into a pit where, where creatures would rip them to shreds as their own punishment. They, he knew that was the case, and yet he did it anyway. And so all appears lost for Daniel, right? I mean, no way that he's going to survive um, being thrown into a pit with hungry lions. But we know the rest of the story. I mean, most of us know the story that God protects Daniel from the lions and rescues him from the lion's den. And that is the story. That is the main theme of Daniel's story, that when you trust in God and his decrees, regardless of what you face, regardless of what is happening, that God will take care of you, that God has your interests in mind, that God will protect you, that it's better to do what is right than it is to do what is easy. And that is also the prescription for our action in the face of right and wrong. That we must do what is right, not what is easy. We must stand up against what is wrong, not just uh, to do the things that are passive. This week I've seen um, phrases that says, it's not enough to just not be racist. It's not enough to just be quiet. It is now time to be anti-racist. That there is something that says, this is wrong in our society. We must stand up against it, not simply step back and say that's wrong. We have seen that in Daniel's story. We've seen Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego not only say, I'm not going to worship, but vocally say, I will not because it is not right. We've seen Daniel do the same thing with the food, that Daniel was given something. It wasn't enough for him to ignore it. He had to say, no, I will not do it. And then in this case, again, not only did he, not only did he just not go to the king, did he not pray to God? No, he blatantly and intentionally continued to do what he knew was right, even though it was illegal. And so we see that in Daniel's story. Opposing oppression through faith. And so there are a couple of things that I want to dig out of this, and then I want to talk about it together. Three things that I think we see from Daniel throughout the story, but really exhibited in this particular passage of scripture that we see, that we can apply to our lives, the prescription for us when we're facing right and wrong, particularly in the sense of oppression. How can we oppose oppression through faith? Number one, there's a foundation there. We have to have a foundation. We saw from Daniel that he had a foundation, his values. He knew exactly what he believed. He knew what was right. He had knowledge of the law that he was to live by, and he was informed. It allowed him to make informed decisions. For us, we need to, be, we need to have the foundation. We need to know exactly what we believe to know what is right and wrong. We can't know what's right or wrong if we don't have a foundation that informs it. That's why we have to be people of God's word. We talked about that last week. We have to go to the source. It's very similar right? To, so that we don't fall into racist thoughts, so that we don't fall into fake news, so that we don't fall into whatever cultural norms are that are shifting us away. We have to be a people who have a foundation. We have to know that our values are concrete. We have to uh, fill our minds with knowledge of what is right and what is wrong, so that when we are faced with a decision about something, we have the ability to, to dissect it, to find out and get to the source of the matter. We have to have a foundation. Daniel knew exactly what was right and what was wrong. I'm sure that that meat tastes looked real good 
You know, they were not allowed to eat pork. That's an example, right? I mean, there's possible that, that, uh, that the way that they cooked the meat, even if it was a clean animal, it could have been like a, a cow or um, it could have been a goat. But maybe they cooked it with the, with the blood in the meal. And that itself is illegal according to God's law, right? There are many different things that might look okay on the outside, but not. There are organizations that look like they're doing good things, but maybe they're supported by other organizations that aren't. Or perhaps they have aspects to their, to their value system that are not quite what it seemed or are not right or opposing to God, even though their actions may be good. There are things that we have to know as Christians in order to truly stand up for what is right, we have to have a foundation and enough knowledge to be able to make those decisions. But then that's not enough to just know what's right and what's wrong. The second thing is we have to have the courage to act, the courage to act. And we saw that in Daniel's story. He had a conviction about what was right and wrong. He had the courage and the boldness to stand up and to say, I will not do that. I will not be quiet. I will not hear what you have to say and allow it to change me. He was vocal about it. He had a boldness about it. And he had the faith, the courage and the faith to trust that even though his life was on the line, that even though his, his, his job may be in jeopardy, his own life might be taken from him, that he could be killed or put in jail, you know, or that he could be made fun of or any number of things. He could lose his livelihood, any number of those types of things. He had the belief and the courage to stand up against it, that trust that God would take care of him. And even if his life did end, that his example would be set for generations to come. That God would use him regardless, even if he gave up his life. Even if something terrible did happen to him, he had the faith and the courage and the boldness to stand up and to say, regardless of what happens to me, it's right and I trust that God will use that courage, that faith, that boldness to, to be an example for other people. And that leads us into the final aspect. He had a foundation, he had courage and faith, and then he took action. He took action. It's not enough to just have the values and to have the knowledge and to be informed. It's not enough to simply have a conviction and to be bold about it and to have faith that God will take care of you. There must be an action. And we see that in the book of James. We see that in the book of James, that faith without action is dead, he says. He says there must be action. There must be a determination to do something. There must be a choice to say, I will do this rather than that. It's not enough to be passive. There needs to be a blatant action standing against oppression, to stand against what is wrong. And that's what we see that Daniel did. It wasn't enough for Daniel to just be passive all of those times. It wasn't enough for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to hide from Nebuchadnezzar. It wasn't enough for Daniel to just go to his house and not pray to anyone. No, each time they had the courage and conviction to rise up and the boldness to say something was wrong and against those people who would, on their Facebook lists, on their friends lists, or when they saw a lie going by, they stood against it. When you see a brother or a sister on the streets being yelled at or being mocked, it was wrong, and they did something about it. On the video of George Floyd, there were people who were standing there calling out the police officers, telling them to stop. They did something about it. There must be action going along with our words, going along with our convictions, a determination 
a choice, and a blatant action. And all throughout the book of Daniel, we see that God protects them, that God gave him favor. This is, this is what God wants for his people. This is the prescription that God has for his children to be a people who will say this is wrong, who will stand up and will take action. And what we have seen in scripture over and over again, we talked about it in the Blessed Life series, is that when you align yourself with what God wants, when you do what God says is right, that God's favor and his blessing comes with it. Now, I'm not saying that if we go out and march on the streets or if we align ourselves you know, with God by, by uh, signing up to partner with an organization or we, we uh, you know, join other churches that are doing um, you know, uh, racial justice things. I'm not saying that if you go tonight to the vigil that God's going like, to put more money in your bank account. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, though, is that if God says, do what I call my people to do, if we align ourselves with what he calls us to do, then of course he's going to bless that effort. That he's going to bring other allies into the mix with us. That he's going to take care of us. He's going to open pathways for us. That he's going to break down obstacles in the way when it's hard. And when things come up against us as our families, because we will receive oppression, we will receive um, um, uh, attack against our families because we're doing things that Satan wants to divide our nation. We are pushing against the systems and the structures, not only of our world, but in darkness. The Bible says it, that we're not just fighting against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of the air. There are very real spiritual um, strongholds that are causing uh, at the root of the evil and racism and the evil uh, that is in our world that is seeking to, to poison people's uh, like, and to turn us against each other, that is intentionally there. And as we say, no, we will stand up against those things. Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. We can't expect that our actions are going to just be go unheeded. We will meet opposition, but as we trust God, as we say, no, we will do what is right. We will stand against wrong. We will call out injustice. We will stand against oppression that even when opposition comes, even when uh, pain comes, even when hardship comes, we trust that God will protect us, that God will take care of us. That is the story of Daniel. That is the story of Daniel. And so what happens to him? Verse 19. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. And when he reached the den, he cried out in anguish to Daniel. Daniel, servant of the living God, the king said, has your God whom you continually serve been able to rescue you from the lions? I love that the, I love that the one who signed his own death warrant knows Daniel's fate. I want that for us. I want us to be a people that the church, that, the, that our community knows that our church, that us as individual Christians, that we are people who continually serve God. I want to be consistent enough in our efforts and in our message that people know that Encounter Church is this way. Just this week, I got a phone call from somebody in need, and they were referred to us specifically for groceries. They said, you know what, if you need help, I don't know, maybe call Encounter Church. They called us because they know that we have helped before. There's a consistency that comes 
If we are consistent, there's a reputation that comes. King Darius knew that Daniel continually served God. And even though he signed his own death warrant, he didn't want to see him die. Then Daniel spoke with the king, verse 21. May the king live forever. That's just like a formal greeting. <laughs> and he's still in the lion's den. Get me out of here. May God send his, my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. And they have not harmed me, for I was found innocent before him. And also before you, your majesty, I have not done any harm. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to take Daniel out of the den. And here we go. We see the theme again, again, like given to us. This is the prescription. When Daniel was brought up from the den, he was found to be unharmed for he trusted in his God. For he trusted in his God. Opposing oppression through faith. It starts with our foundation of who we are and who God is. God looks around at our nation and sees what's happening and his heart is broken and it angers him. He hates the injustice and he calls his children to stand up and to stand with courage and boldness and to take action. We need to stand up for what's right, no matter what. We need to know what's right and we need to confront what's wrong where it lives. And we need to be willing to put ourselves on the line in faith that God will make things right. That's what Jesus did. That's Jesus's way. Jesus's way was, I will put it on myself and I will trust that the father will do what he said. When Jesus was in the garden, just before he's about to go to the cross, do you think that he wanted to be there? He begged his father, is there any other way? And for some of us, maybe we're saying, God, is there any other way? Do I, do I have to get involved in this? This is uncomfortable for me. This is difficult for me. I'm scared. I don't know what will happen to me. To go down to a protest, you know you could potentially be pulled into something. I don't know what it is for each one of you. But Jesus put himself on the line trusting that his father would do what he said. Are we willing to put ourselves on the line in faith that God will make things right? Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for the story of Daniel. <clears throat> the story of Daniel is not um, at its you know, most blatant, it, not about oppression and, and not about um, specifically like you know, racism and, and police brutality and those kinds of things. It is about faith. It is about saying, doing what is right in the face of great cost and trusting that you will protect. And we can glean from it. In our context today, the same thing applied to us. We look around our city, we look around our nation, we look around our world, and we see great oppression taking place. We see great racism, some of it obscured, some of it very blatant. You know, some of it just systematic, things that we're not doing anything against. The fact that, that if you look at where African Americans just live in our city, they're just they're basically locked away in neighborhoods that no one else wants to go to. That in its own right, in its own sense, is its, it's, its, own, its own like just systematic prison of, of racism that has just been over many years. Because there's just so many angles to it, so many different ways to it. And we can see from Daniel's story that, that the foundation of your word says it is wrong. It is wrong. And we are called to be people of reconciliation, people of restoration. And God, it's so hard to know what is right. What can we do? What can we possibly do? And yet we see from Daniel that he refused 
to continue going in a, in a system that says, that says, stands up against what is right. And God, I will not do that anymore. And as a pastor, I will, I will say what is wrong. I will stand up for what is right. And I will do my best to lead our church into action for what we can do. The small things and even the big things that come along that we can do to stand up against injustice, against oppression, and to stand in faith that no matter how hard it gets, that you will protect us, you will take care of us, and that we'll put ourselves on the line trusting that you will make it right regardless of what happens to us. God, I pray for each person on this, in this gathering today, even those watching online, that they would be challenged by your spirit to just have a, a, a boldness and a foundation, to have the courage to stand up and to do what is right, to have the courage to even look inside to challenge their own biases, to challenge their own assumptions, their own prejudices, their own stereotypes. And even outside of those spaces at work, when someone is cutting corners or there's something wrong that's happening, that we would not be people of quietness. It's not my responsibility. It's not my job. No, that we would be people to stand up and say, that's wrong. I won't tolerate it. I won't stand for it. I'm going to be someone who will do what is right. I will stand against something that is wrong. And may we be those people. May each of us consider our action are the things that we can do in our own lives. And God, collectively as a church, would you give us ideas? Would you show us the path to walk? Would you give us direction on how we can stand against oppression through faith? I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are a God who cares so deeply about this. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.